subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, a little navigator? Kita? Kita? I don't know, Kita, whatever. It is Monday, which means it's time for the Front Free Podcast. Me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna on the streets of London. It's only the best episode. Damn, it's just <laughs> the perfect timing. Absolutely perfect timing. Dave O'Brien oh, as well. Dave O'Brien indoors. Yeah, this time I'm not on the streets of London, so hopefully my audio is beautiful. It sounds fantastic. Um, a lot better. No motorbikes zooming past you. No, 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 no cars either. I've got the windows closed. I'm going to suck the heat up get really sweaty i currently am topless mm. um it's the best condition to podcast in the summer uh, to remove your shirt to feel like you've you're not going to overheat too much information there's a mental image i'll never get rid of moving swiftly on guys we are here to talk about football so let's get to it uh in part one today we're going to be talking the managerial appointments in the premier league in the past week today frank de Boer confirmed as a new crystal palace manager uh last week Maurizio Pellegrino, not Pochettino, not Manuel Pellegrini, uh, appointed as the new Southampton boss. We'll be discussing that before in part two, talking all the transfer news. That's right, there's some exciting moves being made in the transfer market as we come to the opening of the window. We'll be talking Liverpool's signing of Mohamed Salah and how he's going to fit in at Anfield, the potential signing of Naby Keita for £70 million. At Liverpool as well. Uh, the news that Nemanja Matic is set to join Manchester United for £40 million. Alexandro joining Chelsea. And of course, the very real and not at all ridiculous possibility of Manchester City swapping Sergio Aguero for Arsenal's Alexis Sanchez. It could happen, guys. It could happen. Before all that, though, it's time for comment of the week. A review of the week, whole of the week, as we call it. Uh, there's only one nominee there's only one winner this week and that is zap sports 508 
from the USA who left us a fantastic review. It's rather a wordy review, a bit of an essay, actually, so I'll try and get through it as quickly as I can. Uh, he says, brilliant football slash soccer podcast. A referral from the old World Soccer Talk podcast sent me on an adventure into the world of the front three about a year ago, and they have done nothing but impress me ever since. From the get-go, I was greeted by the show's talented host and tone-setting leader, Adam Boltwood, with his masterful ability to move the conversation with brilliant transitions from topic to topic. There is never a lull in the show with his seamless leadership. Wow. From there, the roster only continues to impress with the tactical mastermind, Chris Hennage. Chris brings his keen eye for detail and impressive resume as a fantastic football writer and pundit to the group. His ability to break down the complex to digestible speaking points is magnificent and appreciated. Deep breath. Statman Dave O'Brien, as well, brings a wealth of statistical knowledge that helps paint the game by numbers for even the newest of newcomers to the beautiful game. His wild card like approach invites debate but he's never one to enter the conversation without a novel of advanced analytics to wow the listeners lastly but by no means least the humorous yet informative jestings of lawrence mckenna lawrence is the personality that helps bring the show to life his ability to speak on the game with a high level of intelligence while making connections to social and political events creates a dialogue that the cast is able to discuss while providing a ton of laughs along the way overall this is a fantastic podcast for those who want to learn about the game from a variety of interpretations the show will bring you through the world of football with personality wit and in time to wrap it all up for your morning commute well done gentlemen i look forward to following this podcast for years to come zach from boston usa Zach. Wow, Zach. Wow. It was wow. A, a beautiful tome that you've written us there uh, and well worthy of whole of the week. So, Zach, do get in touch on Twitter. If they sell Ferrero Rocher in the United States and I can get some online, I'll get some to your door. Well deserved. Um, what, what's the US equivalent of Ferrero Rocher? I don't really know. Is Ferrero Rocher. Do they sell? Do they even have that in America? Is that like a thing? Do they... Do they say it? Are they like, oh, Ferrero. Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, don't, it doesn't Rocher, sound quite as classy. Like, it's a Rocher. Yeah, it's not quite as classy. Uh, Statman so. Stan, okay. Um, Steve? Steve? What do you think about that, Lawrence? You are the personality that brings the show to life. I you, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we'd all have to write our own reviews. Yeah. Um, and I did. So hopefully you'll send me a Ferrero. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. Um, guys, let's get straight into it then. The big news today, Dave. Uh, I think it's fair to say, in the Premier League at least, Frank De Boer is Crystal Palace's new manager. Uh, did you see the way they sort of teased this on <laughs> yeah, Twitter? It was a bit, it was a bit weird. I, 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 niche. It took me like a good five minutes to work out exactly what had gone, uh, had gone on. Um, to anyone that's not seen it, Crystal Palace tweeted out a, a, a video of um, a jerk chicken shop near the ground um, and then <laughs> zoomed in on the top of it and it was pumping out white smoke. Um, my investigation took me to a number of Twitter accounts, and apparently, every time a new manager is announced at Crystal Palace, that happens. So like, the new in manager, reference to who, the who in reference he? to the Pope, I just like the this Pope. something to yeah. do with the yeah, right? It's still a strange. One. Or either that, or Adam, these guys created it, and then the bloody Pope stole yeah, it. Yeah, maybe Palace hmm? did it first. Which came first, Crystal Palace the Pope or, or the Palace. Vatican? We don't know. We just don't know, guys, and we'll never know. Mm. Um, one thing we do know, though, Dave, is Frank DeBoer is the new Mine. manager. He's, uh, he came out today. <laughs> the headline that uh, the BBC have gone with is uh, Palace's new boss is excited to spend a lot of money after becoming 
uh, the manager of the South London club. Uh, he's talked about how, you know, uh, the aim is to be a solid Premier League team, not to struggle with relegation. Do you think with the resources now, uh, that's something that Frank Dubois, he's the right man to, to make that a reality at Palace Day? Again, it's going from one polar opposite of the football scale to another one. You're going from Sam Allardyce's defensive uh, long ball football where you're looking to um, capitalise on your opponent's mistakes with, you know, key set pieces and so forth to a, you know, a ball playing, a sort of class him as, as similar to Louis van Gaal and how he how he sort of positions his team, it's, it's possession um, for the hell of it in a way. Uh, at, you know, obviously, I actually won four back-to-back Eredivisie um, titles, but... The fans got a bit, you know, a bit of the hump towards the end of his, his spell, a bit, you know, the boring football, not really penetrating teams and so forth. So it will be an interesting one in the Premier League. Louis van Gaal did do very well for Manchester United in the Premier League. Um, his pressing was very good. It was just a chance creation on the ball and um, playing more positively with the ball in that final third that, was, that United are still having problems this season um, moving away from Louis van Gaal. So if I were to liken him to any manager, it's Louis van Gaal. But it'll be, it'll be fresh. It'll be really interesting to see him at Palace with the likes of Christian Benteke. You've got yeah, you know, Wolf Zaha there. Uh, Jason Punchard will be, a, you know, he's been cracking for Pardew, been really good for Allardyce, and now again uh, will be really good for uh, De Boer. I think he'll be a vital cog in this system, but expect a 4-3-3, expect them playing out the back. Slightly different to what Palace are used to, given that Sellers Park is quite a narrow pitch as well. Is that going to be the correct approach to do that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll widen the pitch. There's a lot of interest in, um, you know, Building points here, is he going to bring anyone in from Ajax that he used to coach? Uh, someone like Lasha Scherner, maybe into defence and midfield. There's a lot of questions, um, and the squad at the moment is more geared to a Sam Aldai squad than a Lou Van Gaal squad. So the ball's got a big uh, job on his hands. Uh, you know, his last appointment was at Inter Milan. He got sat there. The players didn't like his methodology, style. Um, he had a bit of a falling out with the board. So it could be a bit of an explosion. Obviously, Palace letting Aldai go or Aldai leaving, we don't really know the bottom of that yet. So he, he has been told that he's got money to spend, but will, um, is it Simon Parrish? Will he, will he allow him to spend that money is another question. Mm, I mean, as... David Michael Lee. Parrish? Ian Parrish? I thought it was Stephen. Stephen Parrish? Stephen Parrish. Stephen Parrish. Yeah, Parrish. Parrish. Yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen Parrish, yeah. He, we're, we're as, part of the same parish. <laughs> as, uh, as David alludes to, though, there, Lawrence, uh, the was sacked by Inter after only 85 days in charge said today you know he's learned a lot from his spell at the San Siro but I mean in terms of this appointment it's a three-year deal do you think this is the right deal in terms of maybe a bit more of a long-term strategy for Chris Paz I know they were probably taken aback and taken surprised by Sam Allardyce's decision to leave the club at the end of the season but there is the sense that you know there is talented there are talented players there uh, there's money to spend now's the time to to get a longer-term plan and action could De Boer be the man to do that? Yeah, I think they've they've been frustrated, and the fans have certainly been frustrated by the stuttering over the last few years of everything that's been going on. So originally, I think there was a lot of optimism, and they felt as if there was quite a young team to build on with people who were sort of parts that they could easily replace if they needed to upgrade as they've gone along. And that's sort of proven to be quite um, beneficial for them, the way they initially came into the league um, and built on what, what they already had. But then, it, like you say, it did seem to stutter, and then losing managers at inopportune times is always... Uh, inconvenient you sort of get the feeling though it's, it's unusual with Big Sam you do get the feeling why wouldn't you have told someone higher up I mean maybe he wants to motivate the players or something it felt a little bit selfish at the time um, and as if he'd sort of I don't know not used the club but I guess they both got something out of it um, we'll see I mean it's going to be very difficult to attract players um, 
to Palace. But then De Boer's used to working at a certain level where uh, he sort of gets the best out of not a mediocre crop of players, but a, a, coach, a set of players that he can coach um, and sort of mould in his own, his own light. I do wonder, though, whether it would put certain players off, like they've said, sort of playing for him if the system isn't the most exciting or the most expansive. Um, I mean, that would be the main worry. Uh, but if you can coach them, that'd be great. I mean, the, the problem with Inter Milan was, and most people know about Inter itself, is it was always going to be a bit of a poison chalice for him in the first place. Um, so I don't really think that's indicative of the way that he's actually going to play there. And ju- just to reference what Dave said about the pitch, there have been a few things that I've heard. I'd love to talk to someone about it. It was really interesting. Uh, Luke Moore on the Football Ramble said um, that groundsmen now laugh when people say, oh, the pitch is narrow or the pitch is wide. Because apparently the Premier League have um, basically said all pitches must be the same size. And I spoke to another groundsman, Stoke City, who said, well, actually, that wasn't possible for some of these teams because some of them didn't have wide enough pitches and were actually limited by um, the amount of space they actually had at the sides. So I'd love to know which is true, because actually Crystal Palace's pitch was already quite narrow, like Dave says. And it's very difficult to put it any further because there's not very much space at the sides. I mean, you probably could put it another foot or so. Maybe that'll make a difference. But I'd be interested to know whether it's actually possible and how many groundsmen actually took notice. I think it's an interesting one. Like I don't. I think the problem is, like you're saying, it's the actual size of the ground. Like Old Trafford, the pitch is huge. But if you go into like Chelsea or you go to like Sellers Park, the pitches are just you know the ground is generally smaller, so you don't have that extra space. I don't quite believe that. And I'd stick to football manager where you can decide the the, the length of your pitch and the width of your pitch. Football manager knows it all, so let's back those guys. Not doubting that for a second. Not doubting that for a second. Interesting that uh, apparently De Boer was given assurances that he won't be sacked hastily. Um, no matter what, <laughs> he no, ma- he no matter what, he's going to be given time. Stuff. Yeah, no matter what, he's going to be given time. You know, time. in the comedy where they said, uh, "We didn't put them under the patio," and they sort of go, "Great, now you've signed it. Listen, we're not going to sack you hastily. Why, why are you bringing that up? <laughs> well, we're just um... saying we're not going to sack you in a hurry. Well, yeah, but why would you bring that up if you weren't going to do it? Well, you know, I'm just sort of saying, you know, I hope I hope you stick around for a long time. Yeah, me too. That's why I've signed a long-term contract. Great. Well, we're both on the same page then. Come on. <laughs> it all makes sense. Um, let's talk the other managerial appointment this week, Dave. Uh, Maurizio Pellegrino, which obviously uh, raised a few eyebrows. Some people thinking that Manuel Pellegrini had been misspelt. Some people thinking Maurizio Pochettino had returned to his old club. Um, <laughs> despite the similarity, though, it's, it's a completely different person. Maurizio Pellegrino, it begs the question, uh, why has it always got to be a foreign manager? Um, is this another uh, astute signing by Southampton, do you think? Oh, it's an, I think it's an excellent appointment. I think it's sort of taken, it will take Southampton a step further. Under Pochettino, obviously, they, they massively advanced themselves and they moved to this pressing system. Under Puel, they did take a bit of a step back in terms of their attacking play. Um, defensively, they were very, very good this season, but going forward, they weren't. Um, something you're going to get with Pellegrino is both. In terms of his philosophy, it's uh, the you know the possession de fuego. It's your your Pep Guardiola, your Thomas Tuchel um, type of beliefs in in structuring and, and player organisation. Again, we're talking modern day formations. Um, Pellegrino's team usually set up in a four four two, but when they've got possession, they attack with a four three three. Arguably, probably the best um, you know set of formations now. Defending in a four four two, attacking with a four three three, creating overloads all over the pitch. But if you just think about who he's played under, who he's worked with, you know, um, himself says. He learned his organisation from Bielsa. The space awareness from Lou Van Gaal and Benitez is a, a you know obsession with tactics. But then you think he, he's he's played under Claudio Ranieri. He's played under Hector Cooper. He's just had such a good development of um, you know being a manager that he's taken from a lot of different teams. 
you think of the, you know, the Valencia team he was part of. I got to two consecutive Champions League or European, yeah, Champions League finals in a row. So I think he's got a great, great time to come to Southampton. But what Southampton need is they need potentially a striker. They need someone to replace Sadio Mane. They need a bit of work in the transfer market. But there's anyone that can do it with their black box or their black room or whatever you want to say. It is Southampton. So I'm very excited about this uh, appointment. Yeah, I mean, last season, Lawrence uh, took Alaves to the cup final, Spanish cup final, finished ninth with a club that had been promoted the season before. Interesting again, you know, similar to what I was saying about uh, the long-term vision for for Palace. I mean, Southampton, uh, it was their third manager leaving with Claude Puel in three years. Is this an, a, the sort of appointment that can give them uh, more solid foundations in the long term? I think we've said that about quite a few managers that have come in, right? I mean, certainly would be the case, but then Pellegrini has flitted between clubs. Um, sorry, Pellegrini has flitted between clubs now for a couple of years. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you know, if you're cutting your teeth, then that can be good. Um, I think the, the cl- I'd love to know what they say to the managers in the pitch uh, sort of meetings, but I'd love to hear what they say because they managed to be able to attract talent that is... Um, well, no, it just doesn't seem like the kind of talent that other clubs uh, will go for at, at this point. And I'd, I'd be interested to know what they say, how they sell it. It was um, interesting how committed that, they sort of sound to the manager. Yeah, it's interesting uh, the quotes coming out from the uh, the vice ches- chairman Les Reed. He sort of said they were really impressed with his the vice his chairs. knowledge. Well, they were impressed with his knowledge and his motivation and ability is what Les Reed said. So I'm sure he, he must have impressed in the, really in the interview. impressed with your knowledge. But he, must have impre- he must have impressed in the interview stage, is what I'm saying. They're saying they quickly became their first choice. What I'm saying, though, is, you know, obviously Pochettino, it was almost a stepping stone for him, Southampton. The same with Koeman. As Dave says, maybe Puel was a slight misstep, uh, didn't quite work out for them. Is there the danger that, you know, there's going to be a similar situation with this manager? As Dave's saying, a highly promising manager in, in Maurizio Pellegrino, a highly talented uh, man that, you know, at the end of the season or in another season, he's going to move on to a bigger club. Does it even matter for a club like Southampton? Is this is their club, is their, their system set up to deal with these sort of situations? Exactly. I thought they would have been set up to deal with that in the first place. And I think they kind of know that there's a glass ceiling, really, until they begin to build a squad that can compete on more fronts. Um, so, you know, what, what, I, mean, I suppose people don't want to always be stuck mid-table. But the problem is they're not really mid-table either. They're just sort of just above it. But I know there are some people out there that are frustrated because it's sort of it. No, but you know what I mean. Like they're sort of they're, they're towards the the upper the upper bit of ninth. You know what I mean? Um, and they can challenge teams. You just sort of wonder how long that can, how long fans will be enchanted with that. And I think they're already sort of losing that enchantment because what they want is the emotional trip with a manager and maybe to be invested in someone. They don't get that very often now. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Should we move on to some some transfer talk then? There's some interesting interesting signings, interesting uh, moves, uh, very close 
to completion if reports are to be believed. Let's start with some real signings, Lawrence. Uh, we've got to start with Mohamed Salah. It was confirmed last week. Uh, the signing everyone had been waiting for had been announced. Did you see the, the way Liverpool decided to announce on Twitter? You know, the old hashtag announce Salah yeah. thing. And, you know, it was fun. It was anyway, a bit of a weird one. I mean, um, but it, it, it was great. It was great, great, great use of social what was the, oh yeah great use what was the uh what was the fee in the end 36 million was it i think it might rise to i think it's 36.9 could rise to yeah. 40 odd million i mean is this is this the perfect signing for liverpool right now lawrence is this just what they need um it's sort of reinforcements i guess for um for, for Klopp. it's certainly going to bring a bit more of what i think most people thought was new about the sadio mane um signing you know he's Scored a lot of goals, had a lot of assists, um, and you know I think he's had more more goals than anyone in the Liverpool team over the last few seasons. So there's there's been a lot of um, excitement, and not only that, I think he's one of those players that it weirdly it feels like Liverpool got the man that they actually wanted in the first place. So there, there is a bit of excitement around him. I think his highlights package is fantastic. Um, I just sort of wonder if his decision clock. Klopp needs to bring his decision-making on another level because there have been times where you feel like he maybe fades from a game or makes the wrong decision at the wrong time. And if he wants to step up and, you know, perform at the very top level, which I think Liverpool are aiming for, even if they're not there at the moment, then he's going to have to iron that out. And I think Klopp speaks about that a lot with his players. Um, they've managed to do it with quite a few of his midfielders and a lot of the Liverpool squad. So we'll see if he can do the same magic on Salah. Mm, obviously, Dave, pace for days, as the kids would say. But where do you think he's actually going to play for Liverpool? How is he going to fit into Jurgen Klopp's system? I think it could be um, maybe a, a slight tweak to maybe you know a four-man attack for Mino through the middle, Coutinho maybe playing as a number ten, um, Salah on the the right wing, and, and uh, Sadio Mane back to his RB Leipzig, I'm uh, oh, sorry, RB Salzburg position on the left wing, which he's very very good at doing there, playing quite narrow, a lot of interchange of positions. It could be quite nice. The only thing that I'd say maybe is a bit of a, you know, not a slight, but something that's they could have done a bit better is they've been playing a 4-4-2 diamond that's been going quite well. So to organise those four attackers, you probably still could do that. Maybe you'd put um, Mane as the 10, Salah as the striker, Firmino as the deep line forward and then Coutinho into midfield. That's the only thing. But I think it's it's got a lot of flexibility, a lot of interchanging of positions. And he's had his best, um, you know, goal scoring and assisting season uh, in, in Serie A this season for Roma. You know, been directly involved in a goal every 93 minutes. So that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, playing mainly on that right-hand side, a little bit as a second striker, a little bit as a striker. So I think it gives Liverpool great depth. And it's a player that they should have signed, what, uh, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, before Chelsea bought him. Obviously, Chelsea coming in and paying the right amount for him. Liverpool being a bit stingy with their cash, um, apparently. Is that right, Lawrence? I think it, I think it was. There's a lot of different um, accounts of the way that it happened. But basically, Liverpool weren't willing to pay over £10 million for him. Um, and obviously, now they're going to pay a lot more. That was under a different uh, regime, if you put it that way. Um, I mean... I'm interested. Obviously, Liverpool are paying a lot more now. It definitely shows how committed um, the, the the FSG guys are at this point, because you know you don't break your club transfer record for no reason. Um, at the same time, I'm also interested in what people think about the 4-4-2 diamond, because for me, it sort of felt a bit more. It, it was a hard pack to what Klopp was playing at, um, at Dortmund, but it really just lacked a couple of the pieces. And you feel now like he's putting a few more of those pieces in which make it a bit more almost like a 4-5-1 um, with the shape of a diamond in midfield and then a, 
the problem is a lot of the players within the formation, um, they're not completely free, but they have the license to roam. So it sort of makes it a much more fluid um, formation. So I'm not sure it's going to be 100% played like a 4-4-2. I think it will be laid out a lot like that. Well, Dave, how would Naby Keita potentially factor in to this question? Because according to The Guardian today, they're saying that Jurgen Klopp has identified the 22-year-old as a key target after signing Salah. Um, obviously, uh, fantastic performances last season for RB Leipzig. The German club reportedly indicating they are willing to allow him to leave, although not for less than £70 million. Uh, firstly, I mean, is he worth this sort of money? How would he potentially probably, fit in at Liverpool? Probably worth £80 million. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Naby Keita really? is one of the best young central midfielders in world football. Wow. Yeah, you've just got to, wait. You've got to watch him. You've got to watch him. He's, he's unbelievable on the ball. He's, his work rate is incredible. He tackles like Kante. He's got, the, he's got great feet. That's one of his best skills. He's completed more take-ons or more dribbles last season, or this season, should we say, than any other central midfielder in Europe's top five leagues. Honestly, he's one of my favourite players in world football at the moment. He's that good. He can play centrally, he can play out wide, he can play as a number 10, he can play deep in midfield. He pretty much can do it, do it all. He's a, he's a real complete player. Um, when Ian Halsen went over to watch Leipzig, um, Emil Feuchberg was suspended uh, following that red card that he got against Bayern just before the winter break. I was a bit disappointed because I really want to see Feuchberg live because he's such a wonderful technical attacking midfielder um, that plays wide and drifts in. Naby Keita just did that. Like He played wide, he started wide and he came inside and he was playmaking. Created so many opportunities for Timo Werner. I think he slided him through maybe twice, three times. Always constantly looking for that killer pass. That's kind of the player of Naby Keita. He's always on the move. He's always looking for for the through ball opportunity or, or the dribble past the opponent and then to create something for his teammates. So, you know, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Both feet can strike from range as well. He's, he's honestly, he's easily worth 70 million in this market. Mm. Um, but I don't expect Liverpool to get him. I don't expect him to leave Leipzig. Why would you leave Leipzig right now? He, it's a great, great bunch of players. There's a there's a good environment there. They're playing a really progressive style of football. They've just got into the Champions League. He's not going to be getting paid a little amount of money over at Leipzig, um, obviously being funded by Red Bull. So it just seems like a one where Liverpool isn't a step up. It's almost a horizontal step at the moment. Do you agree with that, Lawrence? I mean, That's uh, a flat floor. Uh, it's just the reports... Uh, doing the rounds in the press saying that he's refused to sign a new contract. Yes, he's got three years remaining on his current deal, Steel. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that Leipzig have to, to sell him, of course. But I just think maybe uh, they would consider when the fee is, what, £60 million more than they paid for him last season, considering you, know, you don't want to have a player on the books who doesn't want to be there. Um, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there. It'd be un- like Dave says, that would be unusual if... Um if he didn't, if if he didn't consider, I mean, surely if Liverpool were considering him, there are going to be other teams considering him. You know, why wouldn't Juve be considering him right now? You know, they've got a midfield which has great shape, but arguably in the next few years we'll need to be transitioning again. So why not get someone like that? Bayern have got a pretty stacked midfield, so maybe not the best way to go there. Um, but why aren't other Premier League clubs considering him if that's the case? Um, you know what really makes sense? sense? Barcelona. Like Barcelona need a player to step up and, and replace Andres Iniesta. Right? Like Verratti is going to cost X amount of money. Why is why why aren't Barca looking at someone like Naby Keita, who has the feet, who has the ability to press, he has pretty much everything. He's a complete player. Why are they not looking at someone like that? I mean, like, okay, right, instead of getting Marco Verratti for X amount of millions, um, why not we just spend that money 
on that mediator. Uh, again, not no disrespect. Maybe they are. Barcelona are a step up. Maybe they are. You know, maybe they are. And maybe that's the transition that Valdeverde wants to go with, that he wants to bring a pressing back and you're not going to get that from maybe some of the older players in the squad. So getting some um, nabby-shaped energy in midfield would be absolutely perfect. If that is the case, then you definitely say um, that the reason they've made people aware of that is because they want to start a bidding war. And I think that, I mean, you know, Liverpool have certainly not not underspent this summer. You know, they've just broken their transfer record. But at the same time, you'd say there are probably other clubs that can outbid them. And if someone is going to move for him, then, you know, that's going to be a, a long deal. Um, maybe Barcelona, I mean, yeah, sort of that midfield shape, isn't it? I sort of agree with you on that one. But, um, you know, maybe Barcelona could be tempted into it if they realise that there is a deal on the table that you know, he's going to take him to Liverpool or wherever for a good few years. Maybe at the same time, people don't really see Liverpool as the type of club that will be able to hold on to someone like Keita mm. if uh, if they did get him anyway. So, would be great for Liverpool's midfield, though. If you've got that platform, a diamond, like we're saying again, you've got um, Coutinho and Naby Keita as the two central midfielders. That goes from Liverpool not being able to break down low blocks to Liverpool just absolutely smashing low blocks. One player... Well, it's also the... It, Sorry, go on, uh, I'm just, 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 I mean, just say that it also means that Liverpool's midfield is very stacked at that point, or they have a lot of players who will come from deep. Um, but I think that's real quality. I think that's real. You know, it's something that I, I, I like Wijnaldum. I like what he does, but he's not going to be a central midfielder that you could play to break down an opposition like we've seen this season. He, he does good from coming from deep, making those runs, working hard, but he's not necessarily that good on the ball. He's not necessarily going to unlock someone with a through ball with a pass like Coutinho, like Keita would do. I mean, it's it's well and good saying that, um, and I, you know I do agree. I also think at the same time with um, Wijnaldum, we've we found he's been central to a lot of Liverpool's moves this season and finished a lot off, and shown that maybe his value is beyond just sort of um, you know the possessional side or unlocking his side in the maybe measure you know measurable sense. He's finished a lot of moves. His movement's been fantastic. His eye has been fantastic. Uh, I think he's certainly been improved under Klopp. Um, Although, again, David, I don't think your analysis is off. I just think that it was maybe a surprise for Liverpool fans that he did that for them. And so that's why people are so happy. I'd imagine if Naby Keita came and did the same, then people wouldn't be mm. upset to see him transition outside. Let's, let's talk about Manchester United's midfield, Dave, because no. the uh, Nemanja Matic to, uh, to United rumours are starting to, to heat up, essentially. A bit in more reputable sources today, like The Guardian, like ESPN, they're saying that uh, it's hopefully going to happen this week. £40 million is the fee that's being spoken of. Some talk that maybe uh, this could end Manchester United's interest in Fabinho from Monaco, another player linked with Jose Mourinho's side. I mean, what do you make of this deal? 28, is he now? 29, Nemanja Matic? Is mm. this, is this too much it, to right? pay for... Uh, well, not past it, maybe... <laughs> You'd argue in his prime, Dave. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's a it's a Mourinho signing. This is uh, this is exactly what Mourinho has done at most of the clubs he's been at. He's gone to second year. He's gone to get players that are ready, that are in their prime of their career. And twenty eight years old for a central midfielder is when they become dominant. You know, there's a lot of stuff going around social media. That, you know, today, oh, he's you know he's past it. His tackle numbers are down. His interception numbers are down. That's just because of the system that that he plays in with Chelsea. He doesn't 
jump out the system. That's not his role. His role is to sit. His role is to hold. You've got Angulo Kante to do that in this um, 3-4-3. What he has done well this season is be that holding midfielder to keep it very sim- simple in possession, allow the likes of Gary Cahill to move out of the back three centre-back, cover it, cover his position, and just do the quiet things. You know, you go back to the 4-0, um, you know, defeat of Man United, the absolute embarrassment of Paul Pogba and Ander Herrera. Matic that day was fantastic. Angolo Kante got all the plaudits, but Matic was brilliant. You know, you break down um, each one of the goals. He, he plays a vital part in the, the cross that uh, Cahill scores. He flicks it on near post. He's involved in the build-up in the first goal. He assists the third goal. He had a really good game, a really, really good game. What he did well as well, shake the press off Man United, just keep it nice and cool, keep it moving on. And that's what he did um, for Chelsea this season. But the reason why I think Mourinho would be signing him is his performance in the 2014 season. 14-15, sorry. You know, you're going to say, oh, that's, that's a long time ago. But these players don't forget how to play football. These players don't lose that. You know, that season um, in the league, he was the top tackler out of 206 tackles. He won 128, who pretty much was the king of 50-50s that year. Um, and I remember two games against City where he bullied Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre had just come off the back of scoring 20 goals from central midfield. And he was the best player in the Premier League. Um, Matic was signed who, in January. Who was his manager that year, Dave? Mourinho. Oh, you mean wow. oh, Torre? Uh, no, no, uh, the... Uh, Matic. Matic's manager. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was it was Mourinho Lawrence. Wow. And that's Wow, Dave. So that you'd say that's almost a perfect fit. I, I'd say so. I think I think what the what makes it even more perfect is Paul Pogba. Because Paul Pogba is a little bit of um I don't know, it's not a nomad to describe it. You know, he, he kinda drifts where he wants and defensively he isn't the greatest yet. You know, it's part of the game that he definitely needs to develop. You think about that team that Chelsea put together, it was all built around Cesc Fabregas. Cesc Fabregas should have had a free role in midfield, either playing deep to the right of um, Matic in a, in a 4-2-3-1 or playing as a number 10. And that's exactly what you could do with Paul Pogba. Because Matic is so powerful, he's so good at holding midfield, you no longer need Paul Pogba to hold and he can just be roaming around. You could either go with that extra attacker and play that 4-2-3-1. Pogba's got four players ahead of him to play. Or you, you play Pogba in as that number 10, as the Wesley Schneider. United arguably could go to this 4-2-1-3 system that we saw out of Mourinho at Inter Milan. Um, we saw it you know, really, really develop there with Schneider being the creative hub, threading the balls to Pandev, to Samuel Eto, to Diego Milito. So it's something that Mourinho's done before and it just seems like an easy signing for Mourinho. You know, Bakayoko seems to be on the way to Chelsea. So why not just pick up Matic? 40 mil obviously is a lot of money, but there's a lot of money going around. If you're getting Jordan Pickford for 30 million, 10 more million for Nemanja Matic, who's won the Premier League, playing defensive midfield in two out of the last three seasons is a pretty decent deal for me. But do you think this could mean the Fabinho deal is off then? Or do you think you could you could potentially sign both? I think signing both of them would be perfect. You're thinking that Bastian Schweinsteiger and Morgan Schneiderlin have been let go in the last... Um, six months so I think it could be a good deal to get both of them you think about Fabinho you know arguably could play defensive midfield with Matic if Pogba's playing ahead that's a real physical aggressive uh, centre central midfield pairing obviously Ander Herrera needs to be in there somewhere so you could even throw Fabinho to play right back um, and then you know allow those two guys to play central midfield there's a lot of options with Fabinho and I think Fabinho to United makes a lot of sense he's uh, you know a lot younger than Matic 
if United can sign him on a long deal, they've got one of the best young defensive midfielders in world football. So I don't think signing one rules out the other. I think if you get Matic, you could easily get Fabinho. Um, United will just have a lot of quality in central midfield. And that is a good thing, having four central midfielders um, that can do a job. You can get a tactical variation there. You know, you could play under Herrera if you want to build up uh, from deep with Matic next to Pogba ahead. Or if you want that physicality, you know, in a bigger game, you play Fabinho and Matic in defensive midfield, Pogba ahead. I think that's what United need, um, given that they, they will be competing on you know the European front and in and domestically again this season. Um, so I think it'll be a good signing to get both of those guys in. Uh, do you think Monaco would actually would they let him leave? Considering I mean, are they going to have any players left at the end of this summer? There's reports today that Bakayoko's on his way to Chelsea. BBC are reporting that today, so you know it's you know it's true. I think it's an interesting one with Monaco. I think what Yardim's done already is signed Yori Tilsman, who's going to be the linchpin of their midfield. So in a way. He, Fabinho and Yori Tilsman would be absolutely brilliant as a combination. You know, um, Fabinho playing exactly the same role he's done this season, just holding and giving the ball to um, the young Belgium central midfielder. But arguably, they could get rid of both Bakayoko and Fabinho and, and bring somebody else in, and they'd probably be okay. Because the, the talent that Yori Tilsman has in central midfield, we saw in the Europa League against Manchester United and in the Europa League as a whole competition, that this guy is going to be the next best central midfielder, 19 years old. It's going to be unbelievable when he hits hits his peak at 28. Um, so I don't think it, it's too bad. You know, they've lost Bernardo Silva. They're probably going to lose Bakayoko. They're going to lose Fabinho. They've kept, arguably, they've kept two very important players there. You know, Mbappe, massively important. You think in the fullbacks who haven't gone yet. Um, you know, Mendy is, is gearing to go, but you've got Sadibi, you've still got Traore there, um, you've got Lamar, who was fantastic in the Champions League, what the most assists in the knockout stages. So Monaco were always going to lose players, but if they lose those three players I mentioned there, Silva, Fabinho and Bakayoko, they could move the side on. Um, I think if they lost Mbappe, that maybe would be a different story. That would be a bit mm. of a, a hit. So he, his, might, um, he might be on his way to Arsenal, but we'll talk about that more maybe next week. Um Talk to me about that. That's a good one, Adam. Yeah. That's a really, really good one. It could, it could happen, mate. I, <laughs> oh, I mean, all the all the, the ITKs on Twitter, mate, they're saying, oh, Las Venga, mate, it's happening. You know? Um, You're not doing transfer tender now, mate. You're not just making <laughs> shit up and then pretending it's important. Uh, right? Great channel, great show. Um, let's talk about Chelsea there briefly. I, I mentioned Bakayoko there, Dave, uh, for 35 million. Uh, Alexandro as well, apparently set to be confirmed this week for 61 million. I think that makes him the most expensive player in Chelsea's history. Quite a signing there. Uh, also, talk of them going for Van Dijk now. Liverpool potentially have dropped out of the race after being forced into a, a grovelling apology for uh, for tapping him up, as it were. Uh, I mean, three Chance big si- three big signings for Chelsea, though. Potentially, you know, we've talked a lot about how they need to improve, how they need to add depth to the squad with the demands of trying to defend the Premier League next season and also being in the Champions League once again. Uh, are they of the the requisite talent? Do you think to, to help them achieve their aims? Oh, 100%. You know, you look at the top three left-backs in world football, Marcelo's number one. I'd say Sandro's probably number two. And I think Mendy's pushing that number three spot right now. Um, obviously, David <laughs> Alves the, the greatest of seasons. Um, yeah, I don't think they're at that same level, unfortunately, Adam. Um, going forward, especially, is where Sandro is quality. Really, really good at going forward. Technically, fantastic. It just it, It's just a strange one to think 61 million for a left fullback. 
but that's the, the world we live in. But if Chelsea got him, perfect, perfect wing back, absolutely fantastic in the system. What does it mean for Alonso though? Alonso had a very, very good season. Um, you know, those goals from uh, wing back in your top five leagues, uh, delivery from set pieces is very good. You can hit a free kick. Tactically, he's been very, very good. It's, it's kind of a weird one. Like I think Alonso kind of deserves a, another season. Maybe getting an understudy to Alonso would be the right way to go. But you know, Conte knows what he needs. Bakayoko would be a bit, you know, is a different player to Matic. Matic was holding a lot more. Bakayoko this season has played a more aggressive box-to-box pressing role. Um, but he technically is fantastic. So he easily could just fit in and instead of pushing on, hold his position. Um, you know, very underrated on the ball, but is good at under the ball and played for the France youth setup being a holding midfielder. So would be fantastic for Chelsea. I think they're two very good signings, but arguably they probably want to be spending the record fee on a striker. You know, if Costa's going, that's kind of their main priority. I, I do agree. You've got to strengthen central midfield. If Matic is going, you know, getting another left back, left wing back in there, they need, they need four wing backs in a way. They need two on the right, two on the left. If they want to compete for Champions League and the Premier League, Blimey. but it seems like they need, maybe they need to get that guy in up front. That's the priority for them right now, in my opinion, if Costa is going as he's you know, reportedly fallen out with uh, Conte. Is it going to be Romelu Lukaku, though, Lawrence? Uh, I think he tweeted today, as, as footballers tend to do, um, at the bullshit surrounding, uh, surrounding a potential move. Well, I mean, he did play on a pitch that was Chelsea branded, Adam. <laughs> uh, or something it's like happening. That. It's um, happening. Um, I mean, I don't, you don't play on something, you don't touch anything that's got um, a team's logo on unless you're part of the team, right? Uh, I don't know. Jamie Carragher wore an Everton kit, didn't he, or something last season <laughs> for uh, Sky Sports? Everyone was fuming about that. So, you know, no? it just doesn't mean anything, does it? That's a, that's a very good point. Uh, well, no, yeah, you're right. It doesn't mean anything. Um, although, you know, at the same time, who cares? Um, I think... <laughs> The, the likelihood is he is going to leave because of the, the way that everything's been handled, the way that he's um, sort of spoken about uh, speaking to a number of clubs. It was almost handled a bit weirdly, like um, like an NBA transfer or an NBA trade, uh, where players sort of go out and they're, they're almost treated as uh, free. They, they are free agents and they're treated in a way, but they're treated as sort of princes who sort of go around and get tempted by each club. Um, his his exact words, so, uh, Lukaku, was shaking my head, hearing all this BS again. It's just a five-a-side game, people. Some of you need to chill. Smiley, laughing face, peace sign, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, what he doesn't want to do is upset Everton fans on the way out. But he doesn't want to upset Everton fans on the way out because that would almost be needless. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm sure, that, I'm sure that it also helps him that he can play the good guy here and everyone else can play the bad guy. Um, who's his agent? Uh, Mina Raiola, isn't it? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Funny that. Always, always stirring up. See ya. Stirring up something or other. We've said enough. <laughs> Why don't we finish the uh, the more concrete? Uh, well, I say concrete transfer talk day by talking about Alexandra Lacazette. Now, Arsenal are in for him. You know, this could be the more realistic. Uh, options than Kylian Mbappe. Apparently Giroud's on his way. Uh, he's off to uh, to France potentially. Uh, he's off to West Ham potentially. You know that could raise the funds in order to to fund a fifty million pound bid for Lacazette. Is this is this just what Arsenal need? Is this the answer to all their woes, Dave? I think he's a he's a very talented player. He's a player that the when he broke out 
um, the stats community hammered him. Oh, this is never going to continue. This scoring rate's never going to continue. Boy, were they wrong. <laughs> Lacazette, what, scored over 30 goals in the last four seasons, three seasons. Absolutely incredible finisher. Brilliant at drifting around. Would be very, very good for Arsenal. You're thinking what they did at the back end of the season, playing that um, 3-4-2-1 formation with uh, Ozil and Sanchez in behind. Lacazette is his pace to stretch the opponent. You know, you've got the through balls from Sanchez and Ozil. It's kind of a match made in, in heaven. It, it, it fits a lot more than Olivier Giroud um, to that front three. Um, great podcast. Uh, it fits like, like a glove in a way. Uh, but Lacazette wanted to go to Atletico Madrid. That apparently was agreed before the transfer ban came in. There's still rumours that he will just be joining them in um, January instead of joining them now. So it's an interesting one. It'll be Arsenal versus Atletico Madrid. It's going to be Wenger selling Arsenal as a football club in the next few seasons versus, of course, working with Diego Simeone. But Lacazette, supremely talented, gifted, can play on the left, can play on the right, can play as a number 10. Um, just a wonderful footballer. And he can finish very, very well. Fantastic opening up his body. Um, you no, know, the... The, the Lacazette finish that jumps out to me is the one where, you know, inside the penalty area and he, he sort of goes top right. Um, so expect that at Arsenal if he gets the move there. OK, let's go. Let's take a flight of fancy, if you will. Let's get to, let's get to the more spurious rumours, Lawrence. Um, what about Donnarumma? What about Donnarumma? Come on, Donnarumma. No, that's proper talk. I want to get I want to get silly, Lawrence. Yeah, I want to talk about Manchester City. I want to talk about Manchester City. Uh, proposing a swap deal for yeah. Alexis Sanchez and Sergio Aguero, the Daily Star are reporting it, so it's got to be got to be true, surely. Mate, it's going to happen. Um, it's it's already done. Um, City want Sanchez. They've got the bargaining chip, Sergio Aguero. Uh, you know, they they don't want him. They probably do want him, but you know, what do you, what do we think? Why? Um... Why would Arsenal do that? Hey, they need a striker, right? They need a world-class striker. Sergio Aguero. Yeah, but you don't want to get do the guy. How many goals did Sanchez score from the last year? Uh, Twenty-four in the league, ten assists. Damn. So he scored as many as a as a striker and set up more than arguably um, Sergio Aguero will. Why but trade listen, down? I suppose he's, if you've got a, he's a not signing a new deal, Lawrence. He wants to go. This is it. Get the perfect, the perfect player in return. I see. So you want to trade up? Um, okay. Yeah, yes. Not, not yes. Such a bad. I mean, I suppose they realise they're forcing they're forcing the hand of Arsenal. But I'd imagine that Arsenal. Uh, I mean, what, if they get Lacazette like, and they also get Aguero, they just sort of put themselves in a similar position to the way that um, the way that Man City have been with having you know lots of strikers they couldn't really please. Uh, who would be their number one guy? It would be amazing to see Olivier Giroud and Sergio Aguero playing alongside each other. Uh, unless, unless Giroud goes to West Ham, of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lovely FIFA idea. If it actually happens, it will be amazing. And Dave should dye his hair blonde. I just, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, got to dye his hair on from the first pet well, first. Lads, um, um, I've had two. I've had two appointments booked, but there's listen. no shows from you two. So uh, you sort yourselves. I mean, out. that's disappointing. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's it's it is disappointing when you paint it that way, Dave. Because there were there were there were twice where you said, "Can I book this appointment?" And we said, "No, don't book that appointment then." And then you absolutely back to not book no, the appointment. The for second then. the second time we arranged uh, on a day when I <laughs> come back from Barcelona, we were ready to go the day of the, the the day before. Actually, the evening before, I was like, "Lads, you're ready for for tomorrow?" And you're like, "What?" 
Oh no, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> listen, oh, I've listen. My, I've got to wash my hair. Listen, oh. it's easy to to throw around the blame. I think oh, throw around we the need blame. to yeah. we need to move forward now and say okay. CC's trying to wheedle your way out. Of it. We need to get I'm this. I'm not wheedling uh, at all. I'm waiting for you guys to. Send me your calendar so I can book it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll 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 um I'll get my uh my secretary in touch with you, Dave. Thanks, man. We can, we can go Hashtag that. my intern. Um, I mean, <laughs> on on the uh, contrary to these reports, Lawrence is of course uh his own agent, Hernan Aguera. Hernan Riquera, he's got a very similar sounding name to his client there, uh, coming out and saying, you know, he's very happy at Man City. He's not moving. Uh, there's never been any offers for him. There's never been any chance of him leaving City. He's got two years left in his contract. He's staying put. I mean, it's not as fun as fantasizing about a swap deal. But, uh, I mean, it would seemingly put an end to any sort of uh, rumors. Yeah, you've got to think that there's another reason why this uh, why this rumor emerged, haven't you? Um, I think it's sure right. it when, more from the... Name me one swap deal that's huh? happened. Name me one swap deal that's happened with these sorts of calibre of players in the last five years. You know, sometimes I wish there were more swap deals in the Premier League. Like, who would you swap if you could swap it? I mean, it's, you, it's great fun. Who, yeah, I'd love you know, it, but the, they never happen. I don't understand why newspapers still think it's uh, uh, a good idea to print stories about sw- straight swap deals, you know, instead of... Well, because it makes it sound like you've got the inside track, doesn't it? Because it sounds so ridiculous that it, you like it's either the it has best to be baseline true. in the world. Yeah, it has to be true because no one does swap deals. So, and also, why would and most people read it and think, well, why would no idiots going to think up the idea of a swap deal? Because that's just stupid. Dave, can you so it of, must have some. Dave, can you think of any actual done swap deals in the last five years? Am I just making this up? Um, they just don't happen, do they? I'm trying to think of any like really big ones. I, I can't even think of any full stop, let alone or like, any small ones. <laughs> and usually it's like player plus cash, if anything. Surely. Mm. No, no, Adam. These two have exactly the same value. Yeah, just uh, you think in the and out on the pitch. In, in fact, David Luiz to Chelsea was David was money plus Matic, wasn't it? Uh, and yes. Then they bought Matic that back. was the first time. The first time he, he went to Chelsea. Yes, it was. I believe. Uh, it wasn't uh, what was Latan? Wasn't Latan a player? He was Eto, wasn't he? Plus. Oh, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was like forty million plus Eto. What a deal! This is what I mean. It's there. usually like you know uh, a player plus cash, not just. Oh, do you know what? Let's just swap these two players. We'll just do that. Mm. Fine. Never really. Why did Samuel Eto accept that? That's what I don't get. Fancied working could... with uh, Mu. Maybe achieved everything he could at Barcelona. I think he fell out with Guardiola yeah. as well. Guardiola wanted to move him on the first season. Yeah. Um, with with uh, yeah. Ronaldinho, but ne- they never got that through, so we just got rid of him the second summer. Wow, well, I'm just um, next to the transfer waterfall. I'll see what I can get out. Right, guys, that is your transfer talk, transfer banter. There, some great, interesting rumours and swap deals to discuss. Uh, let us know your favourite swap deals. Um, if you can think of any others that have existed, I think it's hard to beat Zlatan Eto, to be fair. For now, though, guys, uh, that's it for the Front Free Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, listening to Front Free as much as we enjoyed recording it. Uh, Dave, until next week, where can the good people, where can the whole find you? On YouTube, mate. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Statman Dave, Front Free. There's all sorts of YouTube yeah. shenanigans going on. Do some YouTubing. Love it. Uh, Lawrence McKenna, where can people find you? I mean, on YouTube, mate. Um, YouTube is the place to be. I don't know what happened uh, to type my name into YouTube. Uh, True Jolly Podcast, out of edge.
Lots of views Maybe, there. Yeah, that'll probably come up. Mil- a million like views yeah. on the KSI podcast, you know. That'll be like your highest ranking yeah. video, probably. Uh, the highest ranking video I've ever appeared on screen in. Is that um, your, what's your highest, like, viewed video that you've been involved in full stop? Um, I think there's, like, an advert somewhere that I, like, directed, uh, and it was, like, um, it got got a lot, but I can't really talk about it. But, yeah, it was, yeah. Fair enough. It was uh, good. Dave, what's the highest viewed video you've ever been in full stop or been involved in? You can't hear me. I'm not sure, actually. It's a good one. Probably, uh, maybe oh, a full-time Dave. Devils one? I don't know. Nah, mate. Nah, mate. Not that. Nah. It'll be the one you had on your channel where you talk about Mourinho next season. Oh, that did blow up. But I think I don't know whether I don't know whether that was the peak, Lawrence. It was a peak on my channel, of course, just, by a country bloody mile. God knows what happened I on YouTube wonder, that day. I do wonder what would happen if you what happened on YouTube that YouTube went. You know what? Give I'm give, this guy's been working hard. Let's give him some yeah. some life. Uh, mine Bless his little collar and socks. He's trying his best. Mine was Messi reacts to the Cristiano Ronaldo movie. Oh, the bang of that. Four point two uh, million that really views. Was a Wow. Wow. My favourite part about that was uh, that Russell, really was Russell Crowe tweeted that out and said, great banter, which uh, is, on my, <laughs> it's on, it's on my CV, uh, for real. Um, you know what? Yeah. Do you have that in big, like, big bold, orange type at the top? I, 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 great just, banter, I, I printed Crow. off the tweet. It's framed in my house. It's, it's incredible stuff. Um, guys, uh, you can it find is. me. I mean, that is a, that's a massive, that is massive. Yeah. Big Russell Crowe. Incredible. Um, guys, you can find me on Twitter. Know. Adam Bolt, which you can find me on YouTube at the front free. Uh, myself and Lawrence did a little reaction to our first ever game in the next level football league, London City FC, our new team we set up. Do go and check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. You can also see us on the next level football league channel. You can see highlights from all of our games, see how we got on in the first two weeks. Uh, spoiler, not too well. Um, just waiting to see this week. That's all I said. Not bad. Not bad. Um, you know, some decent performances, uh, some decent moments. Uh, do go and check it out though, London CFC, if you haven't heard about it, it's the team we've set up together, uh, we're in the next level football league along with Copper Knight, along with Hashtag United, all those great guys, so do go and check it out, you can find us there. Uh, for now though, as I said before, thank you so much for listening guys, really appreciate it, do you leave your reviews on iTunes, preferably five stars, let us know what you think of the podcast, uh, and you could be in with a chance of being hold of the week, uh, and winning some beautiful Ferrero Rocher, as they say. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, in the United States. Until next Monday, enjoy yourselves. We'll see you then.